So we're going to welcome Ian to us in just a moment to uh, bring us the last in our series, Holding Firmly to the Faith. And before we do that, we're going to have today's reading. And today's reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11. And in the earlier part of chapter 11 of Hebrews, uh, the writer has written about many people from the Old Testament, people like Noah and Abraham and Moses and their faith in God. And we're going to pick up the chapter, chapter 11 at verse 32 uh, with these words. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And just some verses at the beginning of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, we thank you for that word. We thank you for your word to us and how it speaks as a living word. Thank you for Ian and uh, how you've spoken to him over these past weeks leading to today. Lord, would you speak through him and into our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Alan, and hello, everyone. Really good to be able to share this passage with you this morning. Life is often thought of as a journey, you know, from birth to death, with different stages in between, childhood, youth, early adult, and so on, a journey filled with lessons, hardships, heartaches, joys, celebrations, and special moments. For Christians, this journey has often been thought of, perhaps more in the past than nowadays, as a pilgrimage 
that just as pilgrims make a special journey to a particular place, the shrine of a saint, for instance, we are pilgrims on a heavenly, uh, sorry, but pilgrims to a heavenly city. So John Bunyan, who was in prison for his Christian faith in the 17th century, wrote a book about the life journey of one particular Christian, giving it the title of The Pilgrim's Progress. It's probably less common, however, to think of the Christian life as a race, but that's the picture, the metaphor, that the writer of this passage that Alan read to us uses in um, Hebrews chapter 11 and beginning of verse 12. Lots of the book of Hebrews uses pictures from the Old Testament part of the Bible to speak of heavenly realities and to understand those pictures we need some knowledge of the Old Testament or someone to explain them to us. So a couple of weeks ago, David Bird, in speaking about drawing near to God, explained about the tabernacle and the picture that gave of approaching God. But when we come to the part of Hebrews that we're looking at today, the picture is of running a race. And that, I believe, is much easier for us as modern people to grasp. Probably all of us have taken part in running races at school. Some of us, I guess, very reluctantly. Most of us have seen running races on television, probably tuning in to the Olympics once every four years in non-COVID times, or seeing pictures of the huge numbers of people who run the uh, London Marathon each year. For some of you, I know running is something that is part of your life now, something you still do. The writer of Hebrews wants his readers to understand that if we are Christians, then that is like we are running a race. No matter what physical shape we're in, how old we are, whether we love or hate the thought of running, we're part of a race that starts when we become a Christian and ends when we die and go to be with our Lord. Even if the thought of um, running a physical race really turns you off, or you know you couldn't do it because of your age or physical condition, you're not disqualified from running the Christian race. If you're someone who hates the thought of running, remember that it is just a picture, a metaphor that helps us to understand the reality of living as a Christian. There is a question, however, that we need to answer before we think about the race itself, and it's this. Have we begun it? Have you begun it? With the London Marathon, there are thousands of spectators. I've been one myself when our son Paul ran it. But with the Christian race, we're not called to be spectators, but participants. We need, just as the runners in any athletics race, 
do to start. We make that start by putting our faith in Jesus and committing our life to him. If you're not sure how to do that, then please get in touch using information that will come up on the screen at the end of the service. Now, if you do want to run the London Marathon, you have to apply to do so. Not everyone who applies gets accepted. For instance, one of our members here at Norwich uh, Central, Marcus, he's run, he does plenty of running. He, I think he's run plenty of half marathons, and he's applied uh, to run the London Marathon three times, but so far has not been accepted. Listen, if you want to take part in the race that is uh, being a Christian and following Jesus, you won't get turned down. Whoever you are, you will be accepted. Jesus himself said, I will never turn away anyone who comes to me. Of course, it's worth thinking a bit about why anyone should want to begin the Christian race, the Christian life. And thinking about the why will also help us to uh, keep going in the race. Athletes in an Olympic race or the World Championships compete for a prize, a gold, medals, silver, bronze. That's what their training is for. That surely is what keeps an Olympic marathon runner going when it would be much easier to give up or not bother to train. A gold medal, a prize. St. Paul, in another part of the New Testament, writes about how athletes in his day competed for a fading crown of thorns. Sorry, fading crown of leaves. But, Paul writes, our contest is for an eternal crown that never fades. Now, I asked another member of Norwich Central, Dan, who, like Marcus, is very much into running, but has managed to get accepted on marathons, why did he do it? Dan, in reply, said this. He'd never felt a, a high like it. He'd never felt a high like it. He did that quickly, apart from his wedding day. Well, I believe that the high that Dan feels at the end of a marathon, or any other high, which we may experience in this life, will pale into insignificance with the high that we shall know on completing the Christian race. Four weeks ago, I spoke about the hope that we have as Christians, the as yet unseen realities that we have to look forward to. Being with our God who loves us so much. Being with Jesus who gave his life for us. Life of the age to come, what we usually call eternal life. The redemption of our bodies, part of the new creation and more. The rest that um, it speaks of earlier in Hebrews that Peter Hope preached on a few weeks back. Things that are worth running the race for. Looking forward to them will surely help keep us going in what may be 
for a lot of us, a long race. The second thing that should help motivate us to keep going is the example and encouragement of those who completed the race. In the section of the book of Hebrews that comes before where the writer speaks of running a race, he or she lists a whole bunch of people from the history of the Israelites who trusted in God, even when it was difficult to do so. He paints a picture of them looking down on us, who, those of us who are still running the race, a bit like a huge crowd in a stadium, like the Olympic Stadium in London 2012, cheering on the athletes as they competed. Now, I think that's a really helpful picture, that those who've gone before us are now rooting for us to keep going, to finish the race. And not just the people from the Old Testament who are listed in Hebrews 11, but the Christians in the New Testament, people like Paul and Peter and John. And not just those people, but the people down the centuries since the New Testament was written, who have run the race well. And not just those people, but Christians whom we have known, who have faithfully run the race, but have now have died. People like Rosemary. All of these looking down on us, cheering us on, wanting us to finish the course, almost as if they're saying, I did it, so can you. And of course, they give us good examples to follow, particularly those for whom faith meant great suffering. In, Hebrew, in that passage in Hebrews 11 and 12 that Alan read to us, we begin by reading about people who are uh, who got, had great deliverance uh, because of their faith. But a bit further on, it talks about people who actually suffered and yet still trusted God. So motivation to keep going from the example and encouragement of those who completed the race. Thirdly, the encouragement of each other. That's what Paul John spoke of last week, so I'm not going to spend long on it. But let us encourage one another. Perhaps particularly in marathons where ordinary folk are competing alongside elite athletes, fellow runners do encourage and sometimes even help each other to finish the course. They want to see their fellow runners finish. Going back to Dan's experience, he felt like he, was being, like he was in a sort of club. If we are Christians, we are part of a huge body, the church, a sort of club, if you like, of people all running the race. So what will keep us going in the race that is the Christian life? The amazing prize at the end. The example and encouragement of those who have completed the race. The encouragement of our fellow Christians who are running the race too. And also, the ministry 
of the risen and ascended Jesus. As well as those who have completed the course cheering us on, as well as those who are, who are running now encouraging us when they can see that we're flagging, we have Jesus rooting for us that we will finish the course and speaking up for us, interceding for us, is the word that the New Testament uses. Four things then that will help us keep going in a race that for many of us will be long and sometimes at least may be difficult. Remember the amazing prize waiting for us when we are finished. Remember the example and encouragement of those who have finished the race. Look to the encouragement of our fellow runners and remember the ministry of the risen and ascended Jesus. And so, because of all of those things, the writer to Hebrews urges his or her readers, including us, to join him in doing three things with the let us phrase that he or she is so fond of. First of all, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now I know that some people run in the London Marathon wear all sorts of odd costumes, but in doing so, they're making things much more difficult for themselves. I suppose that's part of the challenge. For most runs and for most runners, stripping off clothing that would slow them down is the order of the day, running in vests and shorts. So that's the picture, okay? We strip off in order to run. It's easy to understand. But when the writer calls on us to throw off everything that hinders in our Christian life, what is in his or her mind? Well, I think it's probably things that although they are good in themselves, take too big a place in our lives. Things that usurp our love for God. Perhaps for some of us, it's material comfort or expensive holidays. Maybe for some, it's some activity or pastime that has too big a part, time-wise, in our lives. Although Paul, in one of his letters, this is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, writes that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, we need to remember that that is in the context of instructing those who have more than enough materially to be generous and willing to share. I'm afraid I don't think we can evade the fact that Jesus does call on his disciples to deny themselves. Here are some of his words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Going back to the picture of running a race again, 
just as athletes deny themselves certain foods or sugary drinks or too much alcohol or vegging out in front of the television in order to do their training, in order to run the race well, so we may need to deny ourselves certain things to run our race well. The writer speaks of getting rid of everything that hinders our race and also the sin that so easily entangles our legs and trips us up. I guess that the sins we're in danger of being tripped up by vary from person to person. For some, the sin may be yielding to the temptation of watching stuff online that they just should not. I was staggered when reading an article in Christianity magazine recently to learn of the huge, staggering number of visits that online porn sites get each year. And worse than that, that some Christians are visiting those sites. That, I think, is something that people doing need to throw away. For some people, the sin may be yielding to the temptation to judge other people for their lifestyle. For others, it may be yielding to the temptation to keep back the wealth they have rather than sharing it generously. And I've been struck by how often in their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, the Old Testament people of God grumbled and complained and how displeased, how upset God was with this. Now, probably to us, grumbling doesn't seem a very big deal. But I guess it showed the ingratitude and lack of trust of the Israelites in the God who had rescued them. Maybe for some of us, that's a sin we need to throw off. Whatever sin we are in danger of being tripped up by, we are to discard it. Deal with it drastically. Throw it off. The second let us exhortation is this. Let us run with perseverance. In marathons, the runners sometimes speak about hitting the wall. A point, I think it's round about the 20 mile mark, where things start to fall apart. They may feel dizzy or have a feeling of dead legs and both their body and mind want to quit. They get to a point where they can't, feel they can't possibly go on. And yet they do. To quote our friend Dan again, he felt he'd got no option but to keep going. I've compared the um, race that we're called to run as Christians to a marathon because it's not a 100-metre sprint that's over in a few seconds. There may be times, not all the time, but there may be times, just like a marathon runner hitting a wall, when we want to give up. That was the issue for the original readers of the book of Hebrews, probably because they faced opposition 
to their Christian faith. The writer calls them, and he calls us too, when we meet our wall, a time when we want to give up, when it all seems too much, to persevere, to endure, to be tenacious, to keep on with determination. What does that mean in the Christian race? Well, how about these suggestions? Do not grow weary in doing good. Well, that's not my suggestion. That comes from St. Paul in Galatians. Keep on praying for other people and for the difficult situations they find themselves in, as well as your situation. Keep trying to bless people in some way. A phone call, a card, a small gift. Serve others as far as you are able. And keep accepting the invitation that God has given to you to draw near to him with confidence. Running with perseverance doesn't mean it's not right sometimes to lay aside some area of service after a time. But I think surely we don't ever retire from loving other people in practical ways. So let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance. And thirdly, most importantly, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I've spoken very briefly about the ministry of the risen and ascended Jesus, but here, I believe, is a call to consider the earthly ministry of Jesus. Listen to what the writer to Hebrews says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Bearing in those words of Dan that I mentioned before, we might paraphrase this verse as, For the amazing high that he knew would be his afterwards, Jesus went through an awful death on a cross, but was then raised and ascended to be with his father. One of the titles that the writer gives to Jesus, I think it was translated as author in the version that Alan uh, read to us, it can be translated as pioneer. Jesus has gone the way that we who are his disciples follow. He has forged a path that we go along, so that if our race is difficult at times and even involves suffering, we can remember what it was like for Jesus, that it was like that for Jesus, and yet he kept going for the joy that would come. And of course, as he's looking down on us now, he can sympathize with our own suffering. He's been through suffering himself. If we are Christians, when we think or talk about Jesus, we often 
concentrate, probably rightly, on what he did on the cross for us, the forgiveness that he brings to us through his sacrifice. But we are called not just to put our trust in him for forgiveness, but to follow Jesus as his disciples. And that may mean some suffering, some difficult times. I don't want to overemphasize this because there should be joy as well and times um, when we draw close to God and feel his presence. But there might come times when it's so difficult we feel like we want to give up. The example of Jesus, our pioneer, is that for the amazing high that was before him, he endured, yes, even a shameful death on the cross. So here then is our call, the call to us as Christians, using the picture of the Christian life as a race. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race before us with perseverance, with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. Amen.